0: Bibles this morning, if you don't mind, and turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4 will be our main text. Don't get real nervous, it may take us quite a few minutes to get there, but eventually we will get there. As we were uh, singing and in our worship there, I couldn't help but kind of chuckle as I looked up and I'm filling in today and I've got the Tower of Babel right behind me. There may or may not be some confusion today. <laughs> but uh, no, I <clears throat> want you all to pray for me. I may or may not have been screaming at a softball game, so I don't have much of a voice. But I do have a cough drop in, so if you all see something protrude out, you know what it is. First uh, Timothy chapter 4. By way of introduction, uh, just to give you a little background on, on where this came from over the last probably six or eight months or maybe ten months, I don't know, there, there's a couple of people um, that I followed, really high profile pastors, teachers, um, you know, and I'd follow them, uh, listen to their podcast, follow them on social media, you know, read after them, and how many of us have got somebody that, you know, we should, I mean, that's what the Bible says, I mean, there should be some people that, that, that but we put a lot of stock in and, and we see how Christ has worked in their life and and, and, and that encourages us, and, and, and we strive to have that intimate relationship with, with the Lord. Well, just so happened, those, uh, in the last eight or ten months, those two have fell into sin. I mean, highly public sin. Now, there's a fallout to sin. I was going to tell you. That's what we're looking at today. And I mean, I know that's not popular. But I'll tell you, we will never, ever understand the amazing grace of our Savior until we realize just how what kind of effect sin has and the fallout. And it doesn't just affect you, but it affects people. Look, I mean, from their perspective, they don't even know who I am. But yet it affected me and my life. And, and, and how I thought about things. So certainly, we all have somebody that's around us that uh, we're affecting also. You know, I begin to think about, you know, that fallout and, 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 and what it did to them personally. I'm talking about them right now. I'm not naming names. You know, they're high profile, national. It's not like somebody local, okay? But what it began to do to them. And how it began to change even their, their demeanor and, and how they looked. And how it tore their congregations apart. And how it, it tore their families apart. In Romans 14, 7 says, No man lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. So their sin affects many, 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 many other people that they don't even know, including myself. Proverbs twenty five twenty six says, A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain in a corrupt spring. It infects everyone that comes in contact with it to some extent. So what I want to do before we even get into our, you know, because there's always a remedy. You know the answer is the same for every problem. Everybody has a sin problem. Do you know that? You had a sin problem. I've got a sin problem. Everybody that's ever been born of woman has a sin problem. And the answer is the same. And and eventually we're going to get into, hey, how, how do I become free, the title by the way, how do I become free from the fallout? Because there is a way to be free from the fallout. You know, I begin to think about uh, one example. You know, how many of you have ever been to the, to the five-star, highfalutin, uh, carp pond campground at Carrollwood at some point in your life? <laughs> well, back in my younger days, you know, that's where we used to go, and we go carp fishing. And if you ain't never been carp fishing, you can talk about fly fishing, deep sea fishing. Hey, if you've never been carp fishing, you've never been fishing. I can tell you that right now. So anyway, what me and my brother used to do, instead of doing a lot of fishing, what do you do? You take rocks and you throw them in the pond. And obviously, the bigger the, bigger the rock you throw in the pl- pond, it goes ka-plunk. And what happens? The wake. You know, the penalty, it wouldn't matter if we threw a blade of grass in that pond. There's still ripples. So the penalty of our sins is the same. I don't care. There's no degree of sin. For all of sin to come short of the glory of God. There, there's one sin that will send you to hell, and that's not accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But how many of you know that you can take a small rock, throw it in there. you got a little wake. But if you do like my smaller brother Kevin, he'd get one. He, he couldn't even pick anything up. He, he'd grab one, and he would just have to roll it over in there plunk and that thing makes huge waves. And that's what I want to talk about today is, is, is the fallout. I want to look at sin from four different perspectives. Okay, four different perspectives. So what does that mean? That means we're going to, we're going to look and we're going to imagine, you're going to imagine in your mind that, that somebody you put a lot of stock in in their spiritual walk and you, you really look up to and, and they, they preach the truth and, and, and there's a lot of fruit in their life and then all of a sudden one day they fall. First perspective, perspective of self. The consequences. I was talking about talking to somebody this morning. Do you know the consequences remain? Even though by God's grace the penalty's been paid for if you've accepted Christ as Savior, the consequences remain here in this world. And that, that that's a humbling thought. But that's what God's Word does, it challenges us. The consequences, the guilt, the broken fellowship with God, the broken relationships with others, the quenching of the Holy Spirit of God and the work in your life. What an example we have in the Bible of that is, is Lot. You know, we've been studying in the young adults class, and we'll get to that a little bit about, about the conscience. Uh, and the example was there was, was Lot of the Old Testament. Lot was just, by the way. Genesis chapter 13 verses 12. First of all, Lot was just he just pitched his tent toward Sodom. Everybody's heard that that account or that story. Well, the next thing you know, he's he's in chapter 19, he's not only living in Sodom, but, but he's also a leader in Sodom. You know, at first he he, he was just kind of pitched his tent toward Sodom, now he's in Sodom, and then at the end of that chapter 19, he's in a he's at a drunken act of incest with his two daughters. I mean, there's no joy, there's no peace, doubt enters your mind. You're, you're, you're defeated. I often tell the young adults, listen, the most miserable person in the world is the saved, born-again believer that has unconfessed, known, willing sin in their life. That's the most important. That's the most uh, uh, miserable person on the face of the earth. What does Psalm 1 say? Blessed is a man that walks not. Because, you know, first we start walking. It's a, it's a slow fade. It doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to go over the cliff in one decision. Bless a the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands, because we were walking with them to start with. We, we were dabbling a little bit, and now we're standing. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of sinners, or sits, because we start walking, we're, we're just dabbling, not you know, habitual, and then all of a sudden, it's a whole lot easier, and the Holy Spirit conviction gets less and less, and then we find ourselves eventually doing exactly the same thing that everyone around us is doing. That's the perspective of self. Second perspective, perspective of the saint. Now, if you're here and you've accepted Christ as Savior and you've seen yourself as a sinner and, and you've put your faith and in, in, in trust in the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and accepted what Christ did on the cross for payment for your sin, that means you're a saint. And we've talked about that before. We're declared righteous. The Holy Spirit dwell, indwells us, lives inside of us. But how many of you know there's a difference between the saint and a Spirit-filled saint? We're going to look at the first perspective of a saint. Of a saint. And we're all, we've all been there. If, if you really be honest, we've all been in these four categories. Perspective of the saint. We say things like this. We see somebody that we've, we have followed as they follow Christ. Put a lot of stock in, and we say things like this I would never. I can't believe. They're not who I thought they were. And many times, what do we do? We just completely turn our back on them. Because whatever they got might jump off on us. I'm talking about the saint, perspective of the saint. That's. that's, that's Here's the thing about that. The next perspective is the spirit-filled saint. Now, we, we, if we be honest with ourselves, we all have about ten minutes of that when somebody that, that we follow falls like that. And, and, and then all of a sudden, because we're not always spiritual, somebody say amen right there. We have about ten minutes of that, and then we go to the, the third perspective, and that's the spirit-filled saint. And here's what the Spirit-filled saint says about that person that they were following, that person that they held in high regard, that person that was following Christ. They understand it's only by God's grace that it's not them. Hey, and about the time you think you can't, you're on your way. By the time you think you can't, you're on your way. The spiritual saint has compassion on everyone involved. They desire to show the same grace, mercy, and long-suffering that Jesus showed for our sorry selves. They understand what Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. They, re- they also realize, the spiritual saint does, or the spirit-filled saint, that, that Proverbs 24.16 in the Bible. And God's Word says that the just man falls seven times but rises up again. Hey, the righteous can recover, but the wicked really have no means of recovery. That's why if you're here and you're, you're saved and you're on your way to heaven, you ought to thank the Lord. No matter if, if you're involved in sin right now or not, there's a way out. There's a way out. There's a way, a way back. And what does the pastor always... He's always taught us that, that everything we do and everything we say is, is, is broken down really into two different categories. The ministry of restoration... To restore people that have, have accepted Christ as Savior, that have gotten into sin, that need to get back and repent, and get back to where the, that God would have them to be, and then the, the ministry of reconciliation. That goes with this fourth group of people. The perspective of the unsaved sinner. Because we're all sinners. But this, this is the unsaved sinner. When they see Christians fall, when they see high, prominent people that, that, that claim the name of the Lord and have, have been very successful in ministry and, and have a lot of fruit, here's what they say. They're no different than me. See, I told you. It's only a matter of time. It's all fake. By the way, they did it for the money. That's usually what, that's usually what the answer is. They did it for the money. They completely ignore the fact that for the most part... They had lived a Spirit-filled life and there's been a lot of fruit bared from them. They want to take that one incident. I'm not condoning sin by any stretch of the imagination because the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be holy as He's holy. And we're supposed to grow in grace and knowledge. And we're supposed to yield to the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the truth is, there's a fallout from sin. And the truth is, you and I will sin. How do we handle that? And a matter of fact, the unsaved sinner actually enjoys the fallout. Why, do you, why would they enjoy anybody's demise? Why would they enjoy that? Because they... Misery loves company, by the way. And, and, and they don't... If they see someone living for the Lord, then now they have to do something with the conviction that they have in their heart. So it gets them off the hook, so to speak. Hey, and if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as Savior, I'm telling you today, I'm not talking about you. I'm, I'm pleading with you for you to come to know the saving knowledge because God's grace is greater than all our sin, just like what we, we sang about a while ago. So how do Christians fall? I mean, we've talked about sin so, so, so how do we keep from falling? How does that happen? How can we be free from the fallout? I'll tell you how we can. We, uh, we have to take heed to ourselves. And that's where we're going to study here in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. I'm not going to ask you to stand because we flipped around. and I know the introduction is probably a whole lot longer than the message itself. We don't take heed to ourselves, and sometimes we focus more on what we know and teach than putting into practice the biblical truths that we understand. Because again, when we don't think it can happen to us, we are well on our way. And as you can see from those four different perspectives, the fallout is immense. The fallout is huge. The fallout of sin affects every single person in every single category. Take heed. In the uh, young adults class, what we would kind of been studying is building below the baseline, building something inside, because uh, there's times when we can't fake it anymore, and and, and whatever's inside is going to come out. And, And whatever's inside, we want that to be real. We want that to be a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ instead of just something we talk about or something we put a front on about. And the last thing we studied was having a clear conscience. And I think that's the first step in, in, in taking heed to ourselves and making sure that uh, we keep short, account, short accounts on sin, and, and that's our conscience, keeping a good conscience. You know, the conscience has been described as, as the window that lets the light in. And, 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 and so the, the fall starts like this. We have a good conscience if we're saved, short account on sin. We've we got... We sin, we confess it, we agree with God, and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But as that window gets a little dirty, and the Holy Spirit conviction comes, and we resist the Holy Spirit conviction instead of repenting, changing our mind, and and agreeing and confessing it with God and, and, and getting that thing cleaned up. Well, now we go from a, a defiled conscience to an evil conscience. That little, that little sin that, that we had in our life that wasn't any big deal, and now the Holy Spirit conviction, and we resist that, and then we go on to the next step where we have a, a evil conscience. Where now we can sin more and more and more, and it really doesn't bother us anymore because our conscience is not in tune with the Holy Spirit as it used to be. And then the last step of that conscience is a seared conscience. That's when you don't... You know, when you sear something, there's no feeling there anymore. Uh, all the nerve endings are burnt. There, there, there's nothing else. You're, gonna, you're, you're not even going to feel that Holy Spirit conviction, and, and we definitely don't want to get to that point. It's kind of like a sports event. Everybody likes athletics, right? I always got a good illustration anyway. It's kind of like the snowball effect. I mean, there's momentum in any type of sport, any game... There's always momentum. And, and this one team starts doing really, really, really well and, and the crowd gets crazy and loud and, and the ball starts rolling and, and, and the other team gets on their heels. And that's what happens to us. When we're, when we're in sin and, and we, we leave that unconfessed, the ball starts rolling. And we, we begin to sin more and more and more. now we focus more on the sin and the team focuses more on the crowd and instead of playing for complete victory, they're just keeping on their, they're, they're on their heels playing to just exist. That's a miserable place to be. That's just an example. but here, in our text, finally, I thought y'all was going to run me out of here if we didn't get into the Bible real quick. First Timothy chapter 4 verses 12 through 16. Paul's telling Timothy here, and listen, I understand, completely understand the context. Paul is writing to Timothy as a bishop, as a shepherd, as a pastor, as a leader. But how many of you know we can apply that to ourselves? We can apply that here because we all need that instruction. By the way, we're all called to preach the gospel anyway. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself, And unto doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace, Lord. Thank you for saving my soul, Lord. I pray that we would get an understanding today of what the fallout of sin is, the consequences of sin. And Lord, I pray in your text here, as Paul tells Timothy, as he instructs him, Lord, what, can, what we can do to free ourselves from that fallout, to heed unto thyself, Lord. I pray that uh, if there's one here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that they would get that right today, and just bless our time together in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Verse 12. So Paul telling Timothy here, he's going to kind of lay it out. All we're going to do, we're going to go right through each verse. And he has something in every verse for us. How we can be free from the fallout. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. Let no man despise thy youth. That has the idea there of, hey, what he's saying is, hey, if you don't want to look back on your previous years, on your younger years, and, and, and completely detest what you've done, here's what you ought to do. You ought to be an example. Hey, we've got VBS going on here. That example there... If, if you're head of crafts, I would imagine probably what you did, if there's 15 or 20 kids that's there, that you're expecting in your class, I don't know how many that would be, but, but generally what you do is you, you take one prototype, you, you, you take one pattern, one example, and, and, and you try to mold everything else to that one example. And that's that idea here. Hey, he's saying, be let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example, a pattern of the believer's, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So he, he he says, here, here's what I want you to be an example of. Paul telling Timothy. Again. Look, keep it in context. He's he's telling him because at the end he's going to say, and if you do all this, you won't go back to all that false teaching. You 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 won't you won't succumb to all the false teaching that's going to come, because that's what chapter four is all about anyway, is false doctrine. He's warning them, you take these steps and you'll be okay. Hey, we take these steps, we'll be free from the fallout. So the first thing he says, be an example in word. That's our conversation. That's how we talk, how we communicate with others. In our our conversation, now that's our conduct. That's how we carry ourselves on a daily basis. That's how we interact. He says, be thou an example in charity. That's love. He says, be thou an example in spirit. That's our attitude. By the way, I think me and Danny were talking about, it. hey, a great definition of an attitude is this. It's a pattern of thinking formed over a long period of time. If your attitude's negative, you didn't wake up this morning and say, I think I'll have a negative attitude. That that pattern was formed over a long period of time. If you you have a great attitude and people just just gravitate to you, you didn't wake up one morning and say, I think I'll, I'll draw people to me with the way I think. It's an attitude. It's a pattern of thinking. He says, be an example in faith. That's, hey, how do we trust God? And I mean, that's tough. I ain't going to lie. In certain situations, you know, people are looking at whether we're trusting God or whether we're uh, uh, flying off the handle or we're trying to figure it out ourselves, or whatever the case may be. Uh, be an example in faith. Be an example in purity, Paul tells Timothy. And that idea of purity there, has it's, it's sexual purity for sure, but it's also uh, like integrity. You know, like uh, the pastor was talking about character. You know, and my favorite definition of character, it's, it's who you are when nobody's around. Who you are, listen, who you are when nobody's around, that's who you are. And, and we, can, we can put on all this this front, but who we are when nobody's looking and who we are when nobody would ever find out is who we are. He's saying, be an example. Be an example. I got to tell this one on myself. Uh, anyway, I was at a softball game. Young adults, they'll probably start laughing when I even start it. But it's been two or three weeks ago. Uh, you know, high stakes, third, fourth, fifth grade softball. I mean, girls. I mean, I'm talking about this is for all the marbles. And so, so I helped coach, you know, and the umpire, he, he wasn't exactly making some great calls, judgment calls, and, and I, I'm starting to pace a little bit, and, and so I kind of say a couple of things in question, so obviously my, my words weren't great, my conversation, my conduct as I'm pacing back and forth, and, and I thought if I looked at him really hard, not say anything, just, just look at it. If I burn a hole through him, it, he, he would get it right. But he still didn't get it right. So, I, I really wasn't very loving at the time, so I walk out of the dugout, And I'm out there, and that's when I'm really burning a hole through him. I get no response, because I was being spiritual. I didn't want to say anything, you know. So as I come back in the dugout, I'm looking at him the whole time, because I'm trying to change his mind. And so I'm like this, and for what, bad bad architecture, bad planning. For whatever reason, in those dugouts, they put metal poles right in the middle. So I'm being, I mean, and I'm walking fast. And I ran smack dab into the pole, <laughs> cut my eye. What I'm telling you is, I mean, that's a silly example. But I'm telling you right there, I, I blew it. Right there in verse 12. Sometimes, God will put a pole in your way and get your attention. Because I, I, I'm not lying. I laughed about it and I said, Lord, I mean, I know you put that thing right there. And, and I just kind of had my... First thing I did was look around, though. See if anybody saw. And then I got spiritual. But, uh, but that's what happens. I mean, we, we, take, we take little things like that, and we, it's funny, and I mean, I mean it is. It, but you know, if, if I really, honestly, if I took that little spat of anger, and I knew in my spirit I wasn't right, I'm serious, I did confess that. Because that's sin. I agree with God that God... I know there's people watching me probably. I hope nobody saw me hit the poll, but everybody's watching. But I knew that if you, if you don't keep a short account on that, it's going to be a whole lot worse than that eventually. So that's what Paul's, Paul's telling Timothy. Verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Give attendance. Hey, that's, that's careful application of mind. Careful application of mind. I want you to give attendance to reading, to exhortation, which is encouragement, and to doctrine, which is teaching. He's saying, listen, I want you to be careful. You be an example in all this stuff, but you, you really give some careful application to these three things. Verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Neglect not the gift. Hey, Paul's telling Timothy, listen, be an example. I I want you to give some some careful thought and counsel to the doctrine, what you're teaching people. And I I want you to give careful application to, to encourage and read. But here's the thing. Stop neglecting your spiritual gift. So obviously what that means is he had been neglecting his spiritual gift or Paul would have had no reason to tell him to stop neglecting your spiritual gift. I'm going to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of us in here today that are neglecting our spiritual gift. Hey, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 7. I mean, we've, the pastor's done study through those, those spiritual gifts and he can kind of even give you a little Q&A or whatever that, that'll, that'll kind of get you and guide you into... But we all have one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7 says that everybody gets a spiritual gift if you've accepted Christ as Savior. Negle- he says, stop neglecting your spiritual gift. Verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Meditate, give yourself entirely so that your progress is evident to all. Now, meditate. Meditate. We can define that as lots of different things. But I'm going to tell you, meditate is when you are completely saturated with whatever you are consumed with. Because I'm here to tell you, we don't need to start meditating. We need to make sure what we're meditating on. Because I'm telling you, we're full of something. We're always meditating on something. I mean, that's how we forget where our phones are. That's how we forget what time we were supposed to be there yesterday. We are meditating on something. And what are we meditating on? He says, Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Look, not for your. we, We want to meditate and saturate yourself so it's evident to other people that this is pretty important in my life. Now, that's not nearly as important as our personal relationship. But obviously it does matter because there's a fallout to sin. Look at verse 16. This is basically the, the crux of the whole thing. So verse 12, hey, don't despise your youth, be an example. Verse 13, I want you to give some careful application. Verse 14, quit neglecting your spiritual gift. 15, I want you to meditate, give yourself wholly to them so it's evident to everybody else. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself. Hey, if we could answer the question in, in one phrase, here's what we need to do. We need to take heed to ourselves. If you, if you want to be free from the fallout, take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Take heed. Hey, that, that, that has the idea of cautious. Constant care. Have you noticed that even in four or five verses here that we've read, if we do everything that's in these verses, we don't have time to do anything else. We, we, we really couldn't get but so far out of God's will or, or, or so far down the line of sin because if we're completely saturated with, with what Paul is telling Timothy here, we can't get but so far away. Because as we know, God never goes anywhere. We're, all the way, we're the ones, when we uh, don't keep short accounts of sin in our life, and we don't confess that, forsake that, admit it, quit it, and forget it. When, when we don't do that, we start drifting. God, did, God hadn't went anywhere. That's where the fallout starts. Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine. Hey, to thyself has the idea of what I do... And doctrine, obviously, is what I teach. So here's what Paul is telling Timothy. Hey, I want you to give cautious, constant care to how you act, what you do, where you go, and what you teach. And and, and if you do that, not only one time, what's that word say? Continue in them. See, we, we, we get it right sometimes. But if we want to be free from the fallout, we have to continue in that. Continue to save thyself and to continue to them that hear thee. Now, this is not salvation. What, what, what it's saying is, is save yourself from believing a lie. In context, Paul's telling Timothy, if you do this, you, won't, you will not go back and, 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 and you will not be uh, uh, you will not believe that false doctrine. You will not believe that false doctrine. How many of you know that when we, you've seen people that that completely fall out, they get in sin, and all of a sudden they get so far down here, down the line, that what they used to believe, true doctrine, teachings of Christ, they don't believe that anymore. Because somebody has already fed them a lie, and now they believe it because they haven't continued. Free from the fallout. To keep from falling, we must continually to take heed to ourselves. This is a quote from Paul Chapel. It's not a matter of our strong willpower to do right. It's our response to do God's work in us. Paul Chapel. Hey, Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Hey, we're not to work for our salvation. We're supposed to work out what God is working in us so others can see it free from the fallout. Here's what our goal should be. You know, I mean, if, at the end of the day, every sermon you come to, you could do this. You could say, die to self and be spirit-filled. I mean, if we could just do that in a, in a, in a daily walk, that is the walk. Die to self, be spirit-filled. Because if we're spirit-filled, we've died to self. And if we die to self, now we give ourselves an opportunity to be spirit-filled. But you can't have one without the other. Die Die to self, be spirit-filled. You say, I can't do it. Well, I can't either. Every time I come up here, I quote this verse because it's my favorite verse. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's my favorite verse. Because I can't do it, neither can you. That's why we just yield to the Spirit. Our goal, as Christians, should be this: as Paul told Felix in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, "I do exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men." Hey, if you want to be free from the fallout, keep your conscience clear, keep short accounts on sin, confess, and He'll cleanse us. First John 1:9. If we confess our sin, He's faithful and just; forgive us of our sin, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness but I want to tell you about the worst fallout this morning and we're done listen we looked at this thing kind of as a from a Christian's perspective and it's really sad that folks you look up to and you put a lot of stock in you 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 seen them uh, what what did, what did Paul say was it first Corinthians 11 1 or something like that follow me as I follow Christ right but the, but, but, but the 180 version is if I'm not following Christ, don't follow me. I mean, we, we always say, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and we forget that he's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. The best of men are just men at best. We have to understand that. It's great to have mentors and people we look up to. But ultimately, there's only one perfect example that we have is his name is Jesus Christ who lived a perfect sinless life and, and, and took on all the, the payment for our sin and bore the the sin our sin on the cross but the ultimate fallout is this Genesis 3 Adam fell. Men be, we 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 ever since sin entered the world sin entered the world like i said we we, we really focused on the christian's perspective but now I want to talk to, to, to you folks that have never accepted Christ as Savior. And you, and you have no idea what we're talking about, about this amazing grace. Again, I'm going to go back to this. The reason we have to keep talking and preaching and teaching about sin is because we, we will never understand what Christ did for us until we see what the ramifications are of sin. Because all is sin and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Now, we're, we're definitely going to die physically. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But we don't need to be, and we can be, eternally separated. That's the ultimate death, being etern- eternally separated from a holy God. And so we, we, we've got a problem because Revelation says that, that no, nothing can enter heaven that defileth. And we're all sinful man, and we were born into sin, but Christ came, and He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And, and God so loved the world, and He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever... You know, i got that shirt that says, Are you a whosoever? Well, I started thinking about that, and, and I'm going to tell you, there's two, time, there's two types of whosoever's, unfortunately. There's whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We can thank God for that. But there's also a whosoever. Whosoever's name is not found, written in the book of life, shall be cast into the lake of fire. I'm not, trying to hear, I'm not here trying to scare you. I'm going to be honest with you. When I was 10 years old, people tell me, not. well, you shouldn't share that. because Sometimes it's a great idea to get saved because you're scared to death to go to hell. I'm just going to be honest with you. I heard some Scripture They said, look, if if, if you don't believe this and you don't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you're going to a place called hell? That scared me to death. I wanted to know how can I be saved because I don't want to go there. What's that old song? Lord, oh Lord, I want to go to hell. Because hell's an awful, awful place. And we can't even understand that. I'm, I'm telling you here this morning, He died for you if you were the only one that had ever lived. And you can get that taken care of this morning. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, Thou wilt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in thine heart God raised Him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You just need to agree with God you're a sinner. Agree that, that Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. God sent His only begotten Son to die for you. And He was buried for you, and He rose again for you. And you put your faith and trust in that message. It's that simple. The Bible says, Thou shalt be saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word you've given us this morning, God. I thank you for the challenge. Lord, I pray that we they would we wouldn't take sin as lightly as we do sometimes, and I'm definitely guilty of that, Lord. But Lord, I just I thank you, Lord, that you you made a way where there was no way. And you you took all of our sin upon that cross and you, you paid that penalty that we couldn't pay, Lord. And I pray, Lord, if there's one here this morning that don't know You as Lord and Savior, they'll come down to this altar, Lord. I can show them from the Word of God exactly what You did for them, for whosoever. And Lord, for the Christians, Lord, I, I pray that you just challenge us. I pray that you just... I pray that we would keep short accounts on sin and, and understand that there's a fallout. There's consequences. And they, they reach much, much further than we even know. And I pray if, if there's someone that has sin in their life, Lord, I pray that they would come to the altar and, or in their seat there get that right. I pray that we would understand, Lord, if somebody does fall, I pray that we would be that Spirit-filled Christian, Lord, that would, that would help with their restoration. Whatever the need is this morning, Lord, I just pray that we would we'd give You the honor and glory for it. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As Joanne plays this morning, if you'll stand, whatever your need is this morning, I'll meet you right down here at the altar for the Christians or for the unsaved. There's no better time to get it right than today.